Hello, Hepcats. My guest on this episode is Ashley Hardenberg-Cartagena. We talk about her new short musical film, A Single Evening. She is the writer and director, also a musician. I will be airing this episode on both of my podcasts, The Creativity Guru and The Songsmith, so you can listen to it on either. I thought it was a great way to cross over both of my podcast because it's not only film, it's also music, it's also songwriting, so it has everything. I love this episode. Ashley has an amazing vision when it comes to the future of film meeting and marrying musicals. You can find and watch A Single Evening on Amazon. It's a 13-minute short musical film. It's worth either renting or buying. I mean, you could buy it for the price of a coffee. So, so worth it. One tiny technical note. For some reason, I had some echo in this recording that I tried to eliminate as best as possible. I took longer to make this happen, but please forgive me if something doesn't sound perfect. I'll make sure to put all Ashley's information in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get into this interview, and I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. My guest on this episode is Ashley Hardenberg-Cartagena, a writer-director from Jersey City, New Jersey. First short film, A Single Evening, was an official selection at Frameline and Wicked Queer, Boston's LGBTQ Film Festival. Ashley also earned a Best Director win at the Long Beach Q Film Festival and Best Director nomination at the Grove Film Festival. Ashley is a BFA in film from Vassar College. Welcome to my show. I'm so happy to talk to you about this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely. So let's talk a single evening. What was the like spark that got you started with that idea for a short film? Oh boy. Well, I will say it was online dating. Um, I was attempting uh, to date online and kind of recognizing um, A, how lonely I felt or B, how I was either changing myself to get closer to other people or just to get a bite, just to get someone to notice me. Um, And so I started writing songs about it and the songs, you know, started to have a narrative and then lo and behold, a musical. Yeah. Let's, let's, um, do you consider yourself a musician first or a filmmaker or just your everything? I think writer is probably the first one that comes okay. to mind because I write lyrics and dialogue and scripts. So it's usually writing. And then, you know, I think of music and TV and film. Yeah. So when you sit down to write your songs, do you sit at a piano? Do you have an acoustic guitar? How do you do that? You know, it's really odd trying to describe this process because sometimes it's literally like, I'll just start singing. I'll start singing randomly. um, And then what will happen is I'll try to put chords to it and then it'll change a little bit. And then, you know, and then I'll try to record it and put it into um, like logic. And once I start adding things to it, it changes a little bit more. I, you know, I add a a different chords over here. And then um, so sometimes it's at the piano. Most of times it's just me coming up with something randomly. Or you know how like you joke if you're doing like you're doing an activity and you sing while you're doing it, like hey, oh, here's yeah, my yeah. pen. Yeah. Like it'll just start off with something like that, whatever I might be thinking about. And I don't know, these melodies, they just appear um yeah. <laughs> to me <laughs> in visions, you know. Yeah, um, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I drive my kids crazy with that 
walking around the house, just songs I sing about my pets all the time. I've watched your show, your, your uh, film, a few times. Um, the thing that really struck me was it's not about... Well, let's, let's talk about the idea that you're a um, queer writer, film director, but that doesn't matter in this, honestly. Like, that, I, that's what I like about it, this idea where it's, it doesn't matter who is the lead character... Because this could happen to anyone. It has nothing to do, honestly, with their sexuality. Yeah, it's very relatable. I think that was the whole point was um, having, you know, even though, like, I'm a queer filmmaker, we have a, a queer artist in the center of the piece, it's still a relatable topic in terms of, A, experiencing loneliness and and just navigating um, how to be yourself or whether you put others first and, and navigating dating culture, um, which everyone can relate to, I think. Right, and I think it's I think it's really nice to see you know something like Shit's Creek where it was never really about a character being gay, right? Mm-hmm. It's just now in that universe, it's just like anything else. It's not yeah. strange, and I like that's kind of how I feel uh, with your film is that this is more about like you just said about relationships, about feeling lonely, about the the trials and tribulations of dating with apps and things like that. Uh, what did, how did you get this idea that you would have characters as algorithms? Oh yeah, um, personifying the dating apps. Yeah, we just I just thought that was the best way to do it, and it, it's like uh, you know how everyone's doing these things. They're like, which Disney character are you? You know, and so like yes. you know bringing. <laughs> You know, if you do that with like dating apps um, and and they come to life, I feel like they definitely each have their own personality. Like everyone loves to talk, everyone who's experienced dating online loves to talk about the differences between like Hinge and, you know, OkCupid or like what the differences are. They they all have their own personality. And I think that speaks to what we think of them, you know, um, and how they're represented. So it just. Yeah, you represent it. Now, I'm honestly not familiar with these except for like my millennial friends who might talk about it or something. But I know Grinder, right? Mm-hmm. I know I know about that, and um, although you give them different names, so OK Cupid, I guess, is who in this? Oh, uh, we have it's it's OKC. Or- yes, <laughs> it's not OKC. It's KC. K Cupid. Yes, okay. KC. That's her. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting because you you ca- the characters capture those specific apps and the one where the main character um falls into the couch that's tinder i guess yep that's it you got it right so i'm guessing based on that like um casey is more trying to like find love like trying to match but tinder's just about getting laid Mm -hmm, exactly and then you've got mismatch who's like the marriage one who's basically match.com yeah yeah all right that was that was really uh a brilliant way of doing this it captures the generation and everybody trying to find love in this specific way i find in in a lot of ways i i found it very heart-wrenching to to watch this because it's um like i said i'm a different generation uh i'm generation x and to me a lot of this is foreign do you think it's harder now uh, well, you wouldn't. I guess you're not comparing. What are you comparing it to? But I'm saying, do you do you think it? Because to me, I I would be like, wow, I could sit at home and just meet people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But it's also like it's it's still I think that there are so many ways in which it's still all comparable. Dating is dating, right? No matter what. You we might have more opportunities to reach out to different people all over the world. Um but in the end, a lot of times what people want is someone who's close by that they can call and mm-hmm. just go and get a hug or something and get a hookup right. or ju- you kind of sometimes the online dating really turns into I just want something to do right now. Um, and I want to feel attention and, or something I need, I need a, oof, like I need excitement and that changes what dating actually is. It goes from, are you looking for relationships to, are you looking for a buzz, uh, of some kind or something to kind of perk you up? And I, I think that, so I do think it's different in that it's kind of redefined what people are looking for, um, and, or what they're lying to themselves about what they're looking for. Um, right. So that's what we're exploring. So let's talk about you know? this song. So, um, yeah. So the first song comes up as pressure. Uh, you begin with the pads. The beat comes in, and uh, let's talk. Tell me about that song and and uh, just everything you know about why you where that one came from. Yeah, that one. Um, it's very fast too. The lyrics are really really quick. Yeah. So it's literally like a thought process. So I wanted it to be that like when the person was singing or when you were listening to it, it felt like it was just like someone who is under pressure um, and you can kind of feel the pressure even in just like not having enough space to breathe for this, for getting right. the lyrics all in. It's very tight. Um, and you know, that one came very naturally actually, even though there were a few times in the middle where I started to change. Um, I was really struggling with the lyrics. I, I really wanted to get the nice guy section like spot on. And I think it ended right. up working out really well. Um, so yeah, it's a very like R and B Popish sound. Yeah, it's very well done uh, filmatically. Like when you see it too, like you you're capturing that sense where she is being crowded by everybody and then trying to just you know feel this pressure around her of, of dating. When you wrote the songs, did you see this in your head? This like these scenes. No, that, I think that's important because at first it was like an emotional thing where I was writing them from that point. And then um, as the songs, as I had the songs, I realized that there was a common theme and I could create a story from it. So as opposed to releasing an EP or anything, I decided to create a script and then I ended up altering the songs a bit to kind of fit a vision um, mm-hmm. of what could happen, um, which I think just shows like the versatility of like types of storytelling um, and writing. What was the first song that you wrote for this story? Uh, it was Pressure. It, Pressure okay. was the first one. Um, and then uh, Turnaround was actually, which is the, the, the uh, not yep, TikTok. The couch. Yeah, the couch song. <laughs> that one I had had for a while. Um, and this whole idea of like, you know, don't know how to be alone, but... Um, you kind of just want some excitement and usually if it's like you're sexually frustrated and so like, let me just get something in. Um, and that just felt like a very relatable, like very, very easy to write about in the moments where I was struggling with dating. Um, and, um, that one was like, oh, visually like this one's going to be sick. Um, and I could see, I, it opens with the sound of like, and like the sucking in. And I had the idea of something like a whirlwind or something turning. And so like that's, that was definitely like an, a, a sound that was motivated um, by the vision. When did you realize like the same character? Well, I guess you're writing these songs about your experiences. So it's that same character coming up 
again and again in these songs. But and then you're like, hmm, this could be a musical as opposed yeah. to just like. And, and when you're thinking that, are you thinking for the stage or film at that point? Always film. I've always thought okay. film. I mean, I've I've written one musical, like staged musical, when I was in high school, but. Um, at this point, I, I, something happened, and I always see everything as film, um, especially like when you're playing with lighting uh, and then three di- three dimensionality um, and the tricks that you can do with it. Um, yeah, it was always as a film. Right. I, and in terms of the characters, too, it wasn't always just me. Like especially for um, uh, "Waste Your Time on Me." Um, I thought even just that line when I first wrote it, I was like, that is a great line for an app to sing. Like, because yes. basically that's all apps do. And they're just like, please waste your time with me. Like, you know, um, so that was definitely inspired for that character. It's one of those songs that could be about two different things, you know, like the person or the app. Um, but you wrote it in a seductive manner. Right. So which is really nice that these apps are seductive. They do pull us in that we're just sitting there constantly wasting our time. So when that song was written, did you like you were thinking this is part of what point you're like, this is going to be a musical. And did you have the idea that these songs are for a musical? Yeah, I think that song in particular, actually, there's a moment where it goes from being very beautiful and kind of seducing you to kind of, it's funny, where it's like, oh, and sign up for your free trial. Um, And I think that was the moment where it was like, these are like meant to be performed and this is like slightly comedic and I think this will fit as like a film. Like it'd be funny to see that and like see the shift in like something romantic to something delirious. And then we have Master Masturbator. Yes. <laughs> which is the final song, um, which begins again with very quick lyrics. And you can definitely feel like the sexual frustration in that, uh, lyrically and musically. And then it breaks out into um, this sort of spiritual, which yeah. I guess is this climax. It's a beautiful ending for that. And and I guess, you know, the theme, if I could be getting this wrong, but I'm guessing the idea behind this is that we, you know, the character is learning to love herself and be happy with herself and yeah. not relying on all these apps that are bringing her down. Yeah. And I don't think it's it's to say that, like, the only way you can be happy is to, by being alone. But I think that there is some truth to the fact that you do have to be true to yourself with what you actually mm-hmm. want and still understand and be in tune with yourself before you can start putting yourself or committing yourself online uh, in different ways and selling yourself, you know, um, so that you're more valuable to another person. You need to be valuable to you. Um, All right. Yeah. Do you think audience members want um, her to have someone? <laughs> like like <laughs> at the end, like where you're like, it's, it's not really a downer, right? Right. So let's talk about it's um, Rebecca Hidalgo. Hidalgo? Yeah, Hidalgo. All right. What an amazing talent. Where did you find her? She's so incredible. So I had worked on um, a project. um, AJ Mattioli, who's the producer, one of the producers on this project, he worked with me on a Sasha Valor project, um, which, you know, hallelujah, Sasha Valor is awesome. Um, And she was a dancer on that. And when we were originally looking for people, he was like, you know, Rebecca, she's actually really good. You should you should check her out. And, you know, we invited her to audition. And also she does like she's she does like circus performance, uh, not exactly circus performance. I always forget what it's called, but she can do acrobatics um, and she's like a performer and she's just 
awesome and she was perfect when she when she came through her audition song was a jazzy version of no scrubs um <laughs> which was perfect for like the idea and the tone of the character um how they could like shift between worlds in terms of like because that you know going from r&b doing a jazzy version of an r&b song i just like i don't know i thought that was like now, really she, clever. was that her choice she came in with that yeah so that was her audition song That's nice. yeah and it was it, they had to do video auditions at the time because we we were also we always try to make it very accessible for people and we always put our word out like to like as many queer platforms as possible because it was very important to us that we have as many queer people in front and behind the camera as possible. Um, and yeah, she she just rocked it. So yeah, I mean it's definitely a standout performance and unbelievable. That's why I was saying like at the end you're like wow she's so you really fall in love with that character. And at the end, you're like, oh, well, I'm happy she's happy with herself. But at the same time, you're like, where's the sequel where she meets the, you know, meets the love of her life? I wish um, there hopefully, you know, there is a world in which like if this was ever a series, you know, you could go into different the different characters in her life as well and like see what her best friend that bailed on her is doing and see what the other guy is doing and like kind of see their lives progress a little bit as they become more in tune or out of tune with themselves. I could see that happening. It definitely has the ability um, of having a series going. The characters yeah. definitely could work that way. Was it hard? Was this your first musical? Yes. Film? <laughs> well, on film, yes. <laughs> Was that difficult? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, I, You know, doing a feature – sorry, not a feature. Definitely not a feature. Um, a musical is more – it has its different problems. You have to have a lot more pre-production and you can't just like run in with the camera and just go, you know? So you have to have rehearsals with the actors. You have to make sure you're sending them the music and making sure that they understand the song. And so we, we had like rehearsal sessions for the songs. Um, and then, um, recording sessions where you go and you try to get the best performance out and I think when you before you go into that recording session you have to have an idea of how you're going to shoot the song because if they're going to be lip syncing to it and and, you know let's say like someone's opening a door wildly and you know they need to take a massive breath and that you want to look believable so when they're recording the song they should be thinking about that um and do that so that you hear that breath in the song you know so a lot more pre-production um but also so worth it because you know this stuff and it gives them a chance to, to dig into the character a little bit and to what the action's going to be. So I think it has its uh, advantages and disadvantages. <laughs> Would you do another short film musical? I am doing another short film musical. Oh, you are? Actually. Yeah. I, um, I well, actually just finished filming about a, m- a month or two ago. Um, and, uh, we just got our rough cut yesterday. So, um, Yep, I, I definitely would. Um, now that I feel like I've got the swing of it, too, like, there's there's a rhythm to it, um, which is nice. Yeah, you, like, for a first short film musical, you really knocked it out of the park with uh, a single evening because, I, you know, just making a film in itself is difficult. Or just writing and recording music is itself difficult. Um, so kudos to you, as well as um, the lighting was another thing, I think, that really stood out in this. Um, especially, uh, the scene with, um, yeah, turnaround, yeah, some beautiful lighting in there. You had some really nice choreography as well going on in that whole, that whole moment, uh, which again, I, I, I just think about the behind the scenes, how, how much that must be, how much work that is, uh, blows my mind. Yeah. Um, It was pretty wild. Yeah. You have 
I don't know. It, it, what is it? A role in a role of a lifetime is a film that you shot, just not musical, right? Not a musical, but yeah, that was another uh, short film. That was like the was first that the one. Same year? No, that was actually like a year or two prior. Um, and that one's more of like a thriller, like a horror thriller. Yeah, I, I've watched it as well. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to me, it's a it's a whole different turn. Like you, it's from that, which again, it's a thriller. Um, but it's straightforward, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and what have you learned from like going from that to doing this? Like, what is the biggest takeaway you think from doing a musical, uh, short film? Oh God. Pre- I mean, I would again say pre-production, uh, will help you no matter what asking absolutely every single question, making sure that com- communication is key, making sure that everyone knows what's going on, right. but also being flexible because you can you know, there's, there's a fine line. You can plan and plan and plan and something will always go wrong, but you need to be able to be flexible and embrace change, embrace collaboration, like embrace the fact that you're working, you know, hopefully you've surrounded yourself with a really great team of artists. Um, and you know, I hate auteur theory. I just don't like it. So I never think that one person is solely responsible for what, for a piece of art, you know, it is a group effort. Um, so embrace that, you know, um, Yeah. Why did you move to the West Coast? Was it because of the film? Like, I was thinking uh, when I was watching, I'm like, well, musical seems like a New York thing. But film, obviously, is an L.A. thing. So you're kind of torn between the East and West now. Yes and no. I mean, I, I my dream is to be bicoastal, uh, which is funny because, you know, I'm also, <laughs> you know, I'm bi. Yep. I love everything to, you know, <laughs> duality <laughs> is my thing. Um, but... I do think I think there's this a this is a really fine time to bring musicals back in a way that will embrace what modern musicals can be. Um, I wasn't a big fan of La La Land, um, but I think it's like an idea of a step in the right direction. But I just think that we haven't had the Busby Berkeleys or the Gene Kellys and the you know those big sort of musical spectaculars and we haven't done those in a modern way. And I do think there's a, there's a way to marry, you know, film and musical. This is, um, yeah. Yeah. This is a great point. I think some of these things work on stage because they were meant for that. And when they switch this stuff and they've been doing this a lot lately where they're taking stage and they're bringing it on to like television, I get it when they're doing that, but like I'm saying, you can't take something that I think you can Sound of Music's a good example where I can watch that and be like, that's a great film, but it was originally a stage. Um, but I think there's, it could be done better. Yeah. Um, I Have you watched Smigadoon yet? No, I haven't. Uh, do you know what it is? No, what is that? <laughs> All right. All right. It's, I believe it's an Apple TV Plus. Uh, so you have to have like... Uh, oh, subs- I do remember seeing this. Okay. Yeah. So it, the idea, it's like... Um, Key from Key and Peele, uh, and I forget who the actress is. They get lost on this like um, couple's journey in the woods, and they come out, and it's basically Brigadoon. But it's basically this small little town where they think they're in like some kind of uh, you know tourist trap thing, but it's an actual musical they get stuck in, uh, and it's done well. But it's a comedy, so it's not right. like uh, it's not like. Super drama, but it's funny, and you should check it out. I think um, 
that is something that's doing kind of what you're talking about where we can have musicals on film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's another point to bring up, though, too, is like musicals, they're either comedies or they're dramas. And I feel like we have so much more nuance in, in general film, you know, in terms of dramedies or even ro- adding romance or anything like that. But like um, there's just there's there's a way to bring in like, you know, this is like a dark comedy. A single evening is and I, you know. There's a way to have nuance without being like complete slapstick or being complete like lame is like I'm dry. I'm yeah. crying my eyes out, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think this felt natural. A single evening felt natural. Like I could watch if it was, let's say it was a series, like I'd be able to watch that. And it didn't. The problem with Schmigadoon is it's trying to be two things. It's trying to be a comedy show, and then it's trying to also be a musical. And the problem was that the the musical parts stop the film in its track. As opposed to yours, it's moving the story forward, and you don't feel like, all right, yeah. well, now i got to wait for this song to end. Yeah. You know? That's what's, and I think short songs, too. There's something about musicals where they love having really long songs. <laughs> I, I think the best thing for any musical is to be, have a short song. Also, if you could incorporate more dance – that's one of the things I would love to do in the future is like start incorporating more dance in things, but like short songs for the win. Cause you want to move story forward. You want to move character forward, get, right. get the point across, get the tune across. And then, um, that's the, it's just the best way. I mean, brevity is the soul of it, you know, <laughs> especially in this day and age. Yes, for sure. Yeah. We're all used to TikTok videos and, and very short things. So we just, we, we're surprisingly, uh, smart when it comes to understanding things in a short span of time. Yeah, that's true. Do you do you have a favorite musical? My favorite musical is Little Shop of Horrors. Um, no. I actually love the movie. I I think it's really it is a great movie. Well done as a movie, and I think that's a really fine example of a time when they took something, maybe even that was staged or you know, but before that it was a movie, you know, whatever. But um, the way that they did that, I think, was really brilliant. Um, and how yeah. it's I don't know, it's just my favorite movie musical. Um, Super fun. I mean, I, I am a sucker for like American in Paris and like, you mm-hmm. know, Singing in the Rain, which like has such an unusual form of comedy that was only doable back then. You know, um, you don't see that kind of like comedy anymore. That's so like rapid fire um, and then like, just jump right into a song. Um, yeah. Singing in the Rain is one of my favorites, especially just as a, a musical film. Um, it's got an amazing cast. Um, so w- give me an example of what you mean by the comedy is d- – you're saying it wouldn't work today or it doesn't oh, it, or – I think it would work. I think it's – we just haven't seen it. Like we've ne- we haven't seen something like that in a long time that like very quick – I think the only time you might see something similar to that is like in any sort of animated um, co- like hyper comedy like Rick and Morty or something. Um, right. Where they ha- like say super fast um, and you need to hit it. Um I- there's just the the way that like those two riff off of each other, Gene Kelly and um, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, Donald O'Connor. Donald, yes, O'Connor, oh my, yeah, oh, O'Connor, what a sweetheart. Um, they're just like rapid fire, and it's like you yep. actually feel the chemistry, and it, then it makes sense when they sing together. Like the chemistry is still there; it's not like stilted. Where I feel like I see um, other musicals or things happen, even like with voice acting, it's like so sad. Uh, because it's always actors now and not actual voice actors. You know what I mean? I agree. You can feel the difference. Um, it doesn't have the same rhythm. It doesn't have that that rapid fire. Um, yeah. So if we can bring some of that fire back, you know, I think we'll <laughs> or make some new fire. I think we'll be all right. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, and then you have uh, 
Oh, now uh, Debbie Reynolds in Singing in the Rain, which she also has great timing in that as well. When they're, you know, mm-hmm. the Good Morning song, everything about that to me, there's no boring moment in that film. Uh, and again, everything brings it forward. It's uh, those songs are longer, but I think it moves the story forward really well in Singing in the Rain. Um, so, can you talk about what this new musical you're working on is? Oh my God, yeah, I'd love to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, it's about a breakup. There's three people, and um, it's a short. It's another short. It's like ten minutes long, um, and they're all somewhat kind of in a relationship when they shouldn't be. So it's kind of still in the universe of a single evening, um, just without the dating. It's like the the post dating. It's like these people in a relationship now, and like what goes right, what goes wrong, um, and yeah. It's is it's it, awesome. I, I wish I could say more, but um, we're close. We're close. Is it shot in L.A.? Or like on it the was West shot Coast? in New York. So I did this thing where I decided to shoot a film two weeks before I drove across the country to move to L.A., uh, <laughs> which uh, was pretty wild. Um, but we did it. And it, honestly, it was the best way to say goodbye to New York by shooting a film. Um, with all of my New York friends um, and contacts, and it, yeah, was this more of a conscious decision after you did a single evening to say I'm going to write another musical film? Yeah, this one was like on purpose, <laughs> right? So you knew, and you're like, okay, I'm. Go- and how many songs do you have for this one? This one is uh, four as well. All right. all right, you should come back on my show when you're finished, and you're going to release your uh, next yeah. musical. Yes, and would, I'm sure the answer is yes, but. Does the idea of, of like creating a feature musical, like, is that a possibility? Is that scary? Absolutely. The hell out of you? Yeah, absolutely. I have one in the works actually um, with a friend of mine. We've been co writing a feature together called Girl Group, um, which is this really sort of magical, realist, um, I think very modern style of musical, um, very like family relationship, but inspirational uh, story. And then I, I do want to make another sort of really fun modern feature musical with nice short songs um that will probably be about 90 minutes which i think is the perfect length for a film and yep. uh yeah so hopefully you'll see more so, of me <laughs> so let's um wrap up with the let's talk about the queer part the lgbt part of your creativity and um how that's a a major focus when you're creating stuff so well it's it's not necessarily I wouldn't even necessarily say it's like it's a focus but because it's already it's a part of my identity it's a part of who I am right. so it's already driven um, it already drives what I do and how right. I see and how I perceive things. Um, but I do think a bigger thing is I am I'm so focused on making sure that we work uh, and continue to work and bring up the voices and the authenticity of queer characters and um, having queer filmmakers in front and behind the camera. Like, I think that's incredibly important. And also, um, I, I truly believe in not restricting ourselves to queer trauma. I think that we exist beyond queer trauma, and that's why films like A Single Evening, you know, the goal is to show another side, and it's not just about struggling with your identity. Um, you know, it's just about struggling with dating, you know, or struggling with loneliness. Right. right. I think we're going to see more things like that as people become, you know, as it's normalized, we'll see that. But yeah. uh, what, do you, what do you feel like in the film industry is the either cliches or tropes or things that they go to all the time that really when you're watching something you get pissed. Oh my god. Um the biggest one is when a character 
uh, is like, oh, okay, they're just a, it's a man hooking up with a woman, and then the man turns around and he hooks up with a man. It's like, but he's bi, and it's like a plot twist. You know, it's like, oh my god, come on, like my my identity is not a plot twist. You know. <laughs> well, you know that's interesting because that has been so many times the uh, the plot in whenever they would introduce these homosexual characters. Um, it was, you know, there was always, uh, what was the one with the, I'm going to pause here because I blanked on the movie, but it was Basic Instinct with Sharon Stone where she played a bisexual serial killer and the gay community was very upset about it. But the, the audiences, of, you know, in the LGBT community were like, why does everybody have to be the villain if you're gay? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, and it's nice to be able to watch things where that's not, it's just like that's who the character is. You know, I, it's film is very slow. At least the industry is very oh, slow. Oh, yeah, the industry is very slow. <laughs> yeah, they're like not quite in tune. And it's so funny because they see themselves as like ahead of trends, but really right. they're so far behind. Um, and they, it's because they still try, they think that they're catering to a mass. Um, and it's a mass that doesn't need to be the mass. Like they have far more, you know, in the industry, we have far more power um, than we actually believe in terms of actually leading instead of following a trend. You know what I mean? Right. And there's so many stories. I mean, I think there's just so many stories that don't, like you said, don't involve trauma that could be told. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and there's a lot, lot of that. Um, filmmakers, who's your favorite? Do you have favorite filmmakers, directors? Uh, I love Barry Jenkins. Anything that Barry Jenkins does is, is very magical um, and so stunning. Um, favorite actor is Ewan McGregor. Couldn't tell you why. Just, I just love that man. <laughs> Uh, I love you and McGregor too. Um, yeah. but I'm trying to think what is it that was it train spotting? Was it Star Wars? Like, you know, honestly, I think it was Moulin Rouge at first. As okay. sad as that is. Moulin yes. Rouge was a hit, you know, and then I saw Train Spotting and it was like, yo, that was, <laughs> this guy is fire. That movie's and then, messed up, but it's yeah. so good. Such a good movie. He's really good in it. And also, like, I, I kinda like when I was young, I got on this like Ewan McGregor kick and I literally like watched everything he was in. And I think it was just the fact that it was his his selection of uh, whatever he did was so diverse and he could play to it all, you know, like he could do drama, he could do comedy, he could do different accents and he was committed to those. And I, I admire that a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He is amazing. Oh, there was another thing you love karaoke. Oh yeah. I'm a karaoke like princess. It's pretty bad. I love karaoke, but I know one thing about people who love karaoke, they have a go-to song. So what is yours? Um, I usually like Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson. I think that's a good one. Um, okay. Guns N' Roses. Uh, uh, wh- wow, I just blanked on the name. Wow. <laughs> what, Sweet Welcome Child to the Jungle. Mine? Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, Welcome to the Jungle. Okay, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, I did that at a live band karaoke once, and it was the best experience. That must have been amazing. Oh, my yeah. God, amazing. Yeah. Um, and you know, any like Alanis Morissette, uh, you know, is, is, oh yeah, <laughs> great. That's, yeah. that's the one that uh, the, the, the women who go up and they sing, uh, what is it? I want you, you want to know. know. Yeah. yeah. You want to know that one. My go-to is David Bowie. Anything Bowie. Oh, that's good though. That's yeah. really good. That's, it's a classic. Love- it's a good yeah. artist. Always yeah. going to be a bop. Yeah. Well, this has been great to speak with you. I really enjoyed it. Um, where can people find you online? 
Oh my gosh. Find me on Instagram at hashtag Ash Bash. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Harden Burglar. You can also follow a single evening on Instagram um, at a single evening. And if you want to check out the new film, it's at the breakup musical. Um, and yeah, I hope you'll be seeing a lot more of me. All right. Well, thank you again. And do come back when you want to talk about the breakup musical. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having right. me. You're welcome. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye bye.